The fresh air is especially good tonight, and so it's a good time to listen to the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Hello and welcome to this week's episode where we discuss movies that have made a whole lot of money, and we go, wow, that's incredible, Stu. <laughs> we are your co-hosts. I am Christian Basinson, and with me is... Juan Mehta. Juan, isn't it crazy... That Pixar and Brad Bird made The Incredibles back in 2004, 2005. It was like 10, 12, 14, 15, 27 years in the making. A lot of years. And then they must have watched The Social Network for because for the sequel, they dropped the the. <laughs> what movie are we talking about this week, Juan? We're, 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 we're talking because we already watched. Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2. How? See, I thought I clicked on the Word document. I clicked on Zoom instead. Oi, what a doy. Don't. My face when I totally click on the Zoom instead of the Word document. Wow, Juan. Thank you. Thank you. And if you would like to make that meme, please screen cap it, put in the caption, and send it to our email. Juan, what's that email? Billion dollar movie club at gmail.com gmail.com you know who must have a gmail.com uh, director Helen brad Parr. bird okay <laughs> <laughs> director brad bird director of incredibles 2 released on june 15 2018 with a budget of 200 million dollars in its opening weekend the film made 182 million dollars it was the eighth highest debut of all time and the highest debut for an animated film and the highest debut for a PG-rated film of all time at the time. Times have changed. Some stuff time, may time, come time. and go. <laughs> time. After time. Don't worry. It was number one for one weekend until it was dethroned by last week's film, a fan favorite, some may say, Jurassic World Falling Kingdom. But... It still made a whole lot of money because <laughs> on July 31st, 2018, the Walt Disney Company released a press release with the headline, Incredibles 2 crosses $1 billion worldwide. Uh, the press release noted that the film was the 36th film to ever cross the billion dollar mark and the 18th Disney film. Yo, can you believe we've been doing this for 36 weeks? Can you believe that at this moment, it's half, half the of the list. Are Disney. <laughs> uh, by the end, the film would gross $608 million domestically, being the highest grossing animated film of all time domestically. Uh, worldwide, it grossed $1.244 billion. At the time, it was the ninth highest grossing film. Oh. Sometimes I type and I don't know what I'm... Yes, at the time, it was the ninth highest grossing film of all time domestically and 15th worldwide currently sits... No, that sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you think Numbers I'm 30... are hard sometimes, aren't they? You see, I ha it says 9th, 10th, 15th, 18th. So the question is... Oh, see, you got messed up because I was unsure of the amount of years it's been. So that's what that you typed too. into your computer. Wow. I'm sorry, I messed that up for you. That's my bad. I believe, if I understand my notes correctly, at the time it was the ninth highest grossing film domestically, 
and 15th worldwide, currently sits at 10th domestically and 18th worldwide. That sounds right. And he sticks the landing. It's a little shaky, a little shaky. I, I think the judges uh the judges are scoring right now. You, you get you get a six or a seven. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, what happens in this movie? Okay. So if you saw this movie in theaters, that doesn't start with the movie. Oh, it starts thank you for with, bringing this up. It starts with people being like, we've heard you. You've been clamoring for it for many, many years. And here you go. Here's the thing with the superheroes going bam, bam, bow. And then they start the movie. Have you have you ever seen a movie do that? No. Maybe, maybe like an Avenger might have. I, I don't think so, no. But yeah, I remember that and being weird that like Craig T. Nelson, uh, Holly Hunter, and Sam Jackson are like, yeah, we heard you. Now you can shut up. Stop it. All right, we made the sequel. And then the movie starts, picks up right where you left off the 15, 17, 27 years ago. Uh, with the underminer being like, I'm a undermine. I'm under you and I'm going to bring you down with me. And then the family's like, we got to bing man pow them, the man. And then they're just bad at their job. And then the underminer goes and it's like, I'm under the bank. And then he unders the bank and steals the money and escapes. And then they're like, we got to under the drill before it destroys City Hall. But they get it just in the nick of time. And then they deal with the cops. They're like, we don't need no superheroes. And then they're like, oh, I guess no need for superheroes. But then rich billionaire man is like, we need superheroes. And then it's like, yay, we're needed. But we want the woman, Helen Parr, this time. And then Mr. Incredible's like, I'm not, I'm not needed. What's going on? And then he's trying to be a good dad while Helen's out there doing the superhero game. And then hijinks ensue. There's a boat and it may or may not crash. I don't want to spoil it. Just it may or may not have crashed. Important question. How many films in the Billion Dollar Club feature a boat? It occurs to me. I feel like many. Yeah. Well, I mean, they all they all took notes from the first one. Oh, yes. Titanic. And you know what? I love that boat in. Dark Knight has two boats. Dark Knight has two boats. <laughs> I was going to say a movie that doesn't have a boat, but then I accidentally named one that had two boats. What do you know? So, Miss Simpson, what are your thoughts about this glorious film? I, this I enjoy glorious this, film. I enjoy this movie. I, I think it's the, the uh, Pixar is so weird in that. And maybe it is after just because Disney bought them and then Disney has has the power to force them to do sequels. Maybe it is the clamoring from fans makes the creatives question and then decide they want to do it. But uh, we we saw this with Finding Dory and we see this here. We have a sequel that seems unnecessary um, to a pretty complete film. And I don't think it's a bad movie by... What do you mean complete? My... The first one ends with a huge cliffhanger. What is going to happen with the Underminer, man? But the the emotional arc of all the characters come to a satisfying end by the end of the first film mm -hmm. right 
uh, did you rewatch? Did you rewatch the first one? In no, but I've seen it so many times as a child. I it's just there. It's I I saw it for the first time since a child. I was a child, and I it shocks me all the stuff that you can't just forget because you're young and you don't notice this stuff. Like that first act is just a family drama, and there's like oh yeah. I think I've been, when I think of Incredibles, I think of this Giacchino score. Shout out to Michael Giacchino, who I think this is the second straight week he's, he did a, a yeah. movie. Again, classic composer right there. But classic. like the first act of Incredibles 1 has no score. It's a pretty dour family drama. Have you seen the video where it's uh, Helen and Bob fighting about like right after he comes back from the burning building? Sure. And they're like fighting about that, sure. but it's dubbed as Sonic voices. Whoa, that's crazy. That's hilarious. I've seen that so many times, which is why I know the first act is a drama. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I enjoy what they they present here as a movie. I I found it not as uh, rich in character development and exploration of dynamics, and so I I. I enjoy this movie a lot, but I'm not as passionate about it. About even like Finding Dory, I, I liked a lot more than this. You know what? This movie was great. This movie was great. It had the Jack Jack. It had the powers all over the place. It gave you the fun moments. You did the bing bam bows. Yeah. You did the zip zap zops. Because there was the lightning guy. I love that. Guy. I love that scene <laughs> when they show Violet. Because she told Tony that she's like part of an acting club. Remember that? Yeah. And so there was that scene of her and fuck, I should have shit saved this for later. <laughs> well, we're here. I love that scene that's totally in this movie of her in the acting club playing zip zap zop. <laughs> and she looks out the, the window in the door and she sees Tony. And then she uses that later in her fight against the electric man. And that's how she defeats him. Mm-hmm. And then you you get the Bob being the house husband. It's like a completely different dynamic. You you haven't seen him in that position, so it's like it's novel. It's it's good. It's good. I'm not you're sure you're, you're getting a right quizzical now, look. You have a quizzical look on your face. Yeah. <laughs> you you get you get the continuation of the romantic subplot that was like barely there in the first one but like now it's fleshed out with violet she's got her own like teenage dramas going on yes it's 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 totally great it's totally great and then dash is just you know running around being a little rascal that he is i can't tell if you actually like this movie or not i thought you didn't (laughs) and then and then you got you got you got yeah i didn't like this movie why don't you like this movie? <laughs> oh my god. Uh the messaging. I hated it so much. It it was it was giving me too much rand. It was giving me rand. You know what's hysterical? It was giving me rand. We we've discussed this just within our lives before the podcast. And so I was like, I gotta read up on this rand because I have not I can't continue the conversation if I have nothing. And on the Wikipedia page for the first Incredibles, oh yeah, it's there. Brad Bird. That's not. It's there. Brad Bird says, "Oh, 
I think it's hilarious that people will see Rand in it because I was not intending for that at all. Now I'm not yeah, saying but the that thing you can't. Is, like, it I'm was not kind of subtexty in the first one, but like it feels like okay. What I hate about this movie are the villain monologues that go unchecked, as in. The ones where it's like, oh, all you lazy people sitting in your couches but, watching superheroes go on out there and do the special things and you're you can't handle it. What do you mean it's unchecked? Like there's no counterpoint to it. That's just some it feels like Brad Bird is just telling us that. I number one, you seem to think if a villain says something, the movie believes in it. Okay, no, but the thing is, like, when you present something that fully formed and don't have, like, the hero be like, you know what, you're wrong about that, or do, like, something involving that, it's kind of just there with no counterpoint. Number number two, I'd argue it comes a little more full, full circle with the Void character. Void is the little fangirl who's like, oh, Miss, uh, Miss Incredible, I love you, you're incredible, blah, 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 blah. Right. And she herself is kind of apprehensive to using her powers and and it, it kind of expects Elastical okay. to save the day. So let me and put it this way. Can I can I finish? This is a children's movie. I have more. This is a children's movie. How's it a children's movie? How's it a children's movie? What are you even talking about? I I cause cause again. As on Brad Bird's Wikipedia page, the dude hates the idea that an animated film is suddenly a children's movie. No, no, not that. But like, you could tell that this is also a movie for kids. And usually movies for kids also include stuff where it's like, there you don't have to rely on the subtext too much to get the messaging of your movie. So when you have the text of the film advocating for this thing so heavily, and then you know. just bury the the lead on the it's counterpoint the villain number one it's the villain yeah it's quite but, obvious okay. it's against it because no no, no no but see number the thing two, is if you if you put a point and it's just like but doing the evil thing but killing people is bad that that's not really refuting their point Num number two as i was bringing up with the void character when elastical jumps out with the uh, Catherine Keener character. I forget what the, what the villain's name is. And she's falling down. Void keeps looking at it and goes, oh, shoot, a parachute, parachute. Be the parachute. Wanting Elastigirl to save the day by herself because she's supposed to be this deity, this incredible hero. And when she realizes it's not happening, Void then goes and tries to save the day by using her powers. Void herself steps That's up not what when I she was expecting she was expecting Elastigirl to save the day. See, what I got from that is she was expecting her to parachute before she set the thing so that, you know, she won't just land like a brick on the ground. But she, she for water. <laughs> no, no, but water. like she was expect she was going to. OK, and how I read the scene. Yes, because, again, this is all subtext, so it's very murky. Um, how I read the scene was she wanted her to parachute so that she could set it and she won't just flat land on the boat deck and just like, you know, face plant. But it's established voids a little more apprehensive to using her powers in the earlier scene when she does uh, portal okay. Elastigirl into the plane. Sure, but that was 
before the all the fight scenes where she was using it without any like we, problem. Yeah, that was her under Catherine. I don't know what Catherine Keener's character name was her name under her control. She never used her powers without the mind control before. I guess. And so also she steps the, up at the end. The backstory is just so stupid. I can't. I can't. It's just so stupid. The 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 dad dying because of the heroes. And then just like the mother being written off in one line. It's like, oh yeah, she died of heartbreak. Was that the line? Yes. Because there's a second one like, wait, how did she die? Like after the flashback scene where you see what happens to the dad, it cuts back to them in the, the room. And she's just like, and then our mother died of heartbreak. It's like it's <laughs> killed them both in the, in the, in the crime. <laughs> that would have been so much easier. No, no, no. But she's a woman. Her emotions have to be her downfall. I'm afraid whatever I bring up is going to be a a, a minefield of explosions <laughs> in this podcast. Oh my goodness! You know, this was even... also one of the first times where, uh, when I went to go see a movie, they had a warning out there in the front yes. lobby for it. I yeah. did you watch it opening weekend? I feel like that was me. Add, they added after. Yeah, I think they added that after opening weekend. And it's it's so they have the the flashing sequence in the screen screen slavers screen saver, yeah. uh, hit the fight between him and Elastigirl, and I remember that being a big deal when the movie came out, and be, me being like, "What really?" And I'm watching it this time, like, "Oh, that is a lot, that is a lot." Holy crap! How did they? Oh stand? yeah, it was a lot. I had to close my eyes in the theater. It was too I, much. My understanding is that they like they dimmed it down for its later releases, so like. What is on Disney Plus is less than what it was in the theater. And it's like, ooh, that was a choice. I liked when she saved the train. That's that's probably my favorite. She sequence. stretched and snapped a lot. <laughs> I, I think um the 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 action in this movie, I think, is is the best part of the movie. But like the thing, even with that scene, when I was watching the ending of it, I was like, Wait, this is very similar to the one in the first movie. Which one? Wasn't there a train scene in the first movie where he had to like stop it when it was like falling over into the There was a train scene. Yes. There was in, a train scene. In the very beginning, I'm trying to remember if there's also one at the end, but in the very beginning, but it's just him pushing up against it. But there's an entire chase leading up to the train in this one. Yeah. And, and I was specifically reminded of it at the end when oh, she yeah. was trying to stop it. Is what okay. I yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. I I do think this movie repeats a lot of the uh some of the beats from the first one. Just because like <laughs> you the know, first movie's about them embracing the fact that they have powers and then they have to hide it again at the beginning. And so it's a whole <laughs> loop back around. But I, I do love the way they play with her on the bike and and the 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 relationship between her abilities and the uh, breakability of the the bike, the, the 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 different ways they play with the elasticity of elastic girls is really fun. Whether it's her flattening up against a surface, or completely stretching out, or etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. 
I mean, you get a lot more fun moments with her, but not as much with the rest of them. Rest of the family? Yeah, like there was that one scene where Dash went through the uh, when he started running on water. In the first one. Yeah, you don't get a moment like that in this one. I question what else you can do with those powers. I do think uh, there was something Violet did in this one. I'm like, oh, my Violet didn't do it in the last one. I forget what. But um, I think there is a bit of, I don't know, how, how many different ways can Mr. Incredible punch someone? But you do yeah, get that. But you do get that in that case, down. it's not an issue of how many ways he could punch someone. It's the environment around him also dictating sure. what he would do with his punches, sure. which you get a bit of in the first fight where he's where he knocks out the uh, tanker and stuff like that. But he doesn't he's the stay at home dad, I guess. So yeah. there's that. The other I, thing is the other thing that really feels like they didn't want to make this movie is how all over the place it is. Like it did not feel like they had a story going in. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they had a story to tell with this one. It was more like people want to see these characters continue. So let's, I guess this person can do that. That person can do that. That person can do that. And then that's the movie. How broken up it is. Yes. Uh, Yes. But again, I think that's like, I agree. It's it's broken up, but just like, what can you do with this movie? I I I I'm not saying it's a pass, but also like, it, it's again they came to such a clean ending at the end, and it's it takes place two months after, not even that much longer after, and like Dash doesn't do anything. Violet's arc is oh, does the boy like me? But like Violet's not different by the end of it in the way that she evolved in the first one. And so their their stories feel so uh, superfluous, if you will. Well, all that went to Jack-Jack, who's now fighting a raccoon. I Do you find that scene funny? No, I didn't. Fascinating. Because I'm watching it this time, right? And I'm aware. This is the first time I've seen the movie since it came out. I'm aware it's happening. And I'm like, it's really funny, but also really fucking weird that this raccoon's like kind of alive and fighting this baby. And I don't know if it's because I feel like it it was supposed to be funny. Like it was supposed to be a humorous scene. Yes, it is. (laughs) I I know I I, I'm, I'm looking at it. I feel like it's very much a Rugrats effect. Uh, that kind of feeling in that it's Jack Jack's world. And so that's why the uh, the raccoon is more human-like in its qualities. Because as soon as the fight ends and Bob comes and sees it, like all the stuff they throw on the ground is no longer there. And so I think it is this weird entering into this fantasy world for Jack Jack. It is completely... It's there. <laughs> It, it feels unnecessary to the, the story that's Again, being told. it's there, but that's it. It's a fun exploration of Jack-Jack's powers. Sure. Honestly, I feel like there's probably 10, 15 minutes you could have cut out of this movie. But, 
you're saying how you don't you wanted more exploration of of the powers from the first one, and now you have someone with a whole lot of new powers. Sure, but what is that adding to the story then? Wait, what? Wait, what did you say I was asking for? You wanted to see ex uh, new ways of doing Bob's powers and Dash's powers and Violet's powers, right? Sure, but again, in service of whatever story they're trying to tell, but there's no central story here, so things just feel like they're happening for the most part. I do think this falls into... I can't tell if it's just recent Pixar or just with the sequels. Um, the Jack-Jack stuff is so slapsticky and over-the-top. Um, even like when Bob's trying to put him to sleep and he like taps his face awake. It's so different from the grounded, yeah, much more grounded tone of the original. And, and there is a bit more of that like Disney influence like coming in, it feels like. And you get that in Finding Dory. I think of the Becky stuff. And like, are you, what is this? Or like the seals on the, the rock, the Idris Elbow character. Yeah. And we haven't gotten to Toy Story 4 yet. But I love Toy Story 4, but there's some stuff where I'm like, this is too far, too cartoony, and you lost me. And so it's interesting uh, seeing those comedic elements pop up here when, when Pixar made its name as being like the, the, the complex animated movies that are you about know, life. You know what's funny? Hmm. Once, this, once this movie ended, like, you know how you go back to the main screen that you're on right there? Yeah. And then I was looking at the bottom and I saw cars on there. And I was like, damn, you know, I think I might have preferred watching cars. <laughs> One. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I did, I would have preferred that grounded tone and like in this case. At least you had one. I haven't seen one in a while, so I can't say anything about oh, it. Oh, no, no, no. I, I specified one in this case because I do enjoy two more. Like, I would have even preferred one. When was the last time you saw two? I saw it on TV like two years ago or something like that. It was fun. At least not three. I don't like three. I really I didn't three. like three. Did I ever tell you about three? No. Um, so I've seen every Pixar movie in theaters opening weekend since Wally, -E. And I couldn't find anyone to watch Cars 3. And I guess it was in our group chat because I hit up our friend, Brandon Ambrosia. Hey, if you're walking outside, stop, look at that rock, and kick it. You're welcome, Brandon. And if there's none in your immediate vicinity, find one. Yes. So we go see the movie. And it's like us and then like a family with like five or six kids. And the kids are like standing up and playing the entire movie. And we're sitting there just bored and just not laughing during the movie, which is very weird for a Pixar movie to just like not have the smile on your face. Ah, uh, chow. <laughs> so that was that. That was that. I do think this movie plays with the elements of the characters from the first one in a, in a, in a interesting way. It just doesn't find a way to land it. So one small thing that I just feel like bringing up because go, go. I, I chuckled at myself for noticing this. So Bob initially says like, well, how did they, why would they change math? It was good the first time around. 
And then later on, when he's actually teaching uh, Dash how to do the math, he's literally describing algebra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did they not have algebra when Bob was they, in school? <laughs> they have changed the way they teach math. Are you aware of this? Oh, no, no. I totally know that. But just like the fact that that was. Oh, <laughs> it really like, did, was. Did you not know algebra, Bob? <laughs> it really was. They were like, so we know they changed math. We just don't know how they changed math. <laughs> so we'll just put in older math. That's fun. But like, you know what? For a second, I was like, it's been it's been so long since high school. I forgot what it was called for a while. Like the word algebra came to my mind. I was like, no, that can't be what it was called. <laughs> On the topic of Bob. Mm-hmm. And I was saying I, I like that it plays with the ego. Because that was such a big part of the character. Oh, my God. I hated him in the first half of this movie. I wanted to smack the shit out of him. Because he is so deep within it and and, uh, feels... What's the word I'm looking for? It's it's so uh, heteronormative. Yes. How he goes into this shit. Yeah. Does that surprise you in in this environment based in, like, the 50s Americana? I mean, it, it doesn't. But, like... From my mentality, I was, listen, the conversations between him and Elastigirl early in the movie, I was just like, she should just leave. When <laughs> when Bob Odenkirk's character is like, we choose Elastigirl, Bob's like, oh yeah, you know, she's a credit to her uh, uh, and stops himself before saying gender. Straight up, if I was her, I would just leave. Yeah. <laughs> like during those conversations between the two of them early in the movie, I'm like, just go. <laughs> I think it's 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 interesting to to explore that part of Bob. I just don't think they they landed on anything with it because he was he kind of just sucked it up because he thought he'd be able to be a hero eventually. And yeah, I don't think he learned anything by himself through this. I also feel like during the climax, we didn't get a sense of that family like dynamic through no. the fight as well in this one no. as we did in the first one like that- i remember the rv when they're like driving he's like no go, this is the turn this is the turn. watching that scene last night i was like i hear every line in my head before it comes it's so ingrained but you're right you you get less of the family dynamic and so when in the end when tony's like oh so you're a close family right i'm like like I didn't see the family together. How how does that work? I had a thought, but I'm gonna save it later. Save that thought for later. Um, I I like the physical comedy gag of uh Violet uh chortling out the water. <laughs> Violet's fun in this movie. Again, I don't think she has an arc, which is a little disappointing because it's it's very nice what they do in the first one. But like I like her, uh, the, the water popping out of her nose. I like when she she renounces superheroes and throws the suit in the sink. And later on, she's like, "I renounce my renouncement." Yeah, there's a lot of fun one-liners in this movie, and I'm I'm shocked they don't get as much credit. As the other thing is, I I don't feel like Screen Slaver is as good of a villain as Syndrome. But it's, he never feels like a real villain. Because you know he's he's fake. He's 
what the fuck is Catherine Keener's name? But like, also, didn't the first movie do something very similar? But with Bob instead of uh, Helen? How how so? Evelyn Deaver is is the character. Uh, how is it? Uh, what do you mean? In the sense that like they hired the person to be the hero, but then there's like, oh, I'm just using you to prove how heroes shouldn't be there, or like I did this to kill you, or like under false pretenses, and I'm actually the villain. Sure. I I I stated earlier they copies a lot of the beats from the first one, but the first one just did it better. It it did, a, but also like, where the fuck do these characters come from? Like you these know, what? coming from nowhere. You know what? I'm a, I'm gonna put it this way. Remember what I said about Despicable Me three? I don't. And that like, you know what? It's another it's another thing. Like, sure they didn't do anything out there or like that really needed cult called for like billions of dollars to be rained down upon it but like for the families that are stuck watching those movies it's at least another story in that thing so that they could put that on instead of watching two over and over and over and over and over and over again i think that was a better thing than this wouldn't you say simply the fact that elastigirl gets to be in the spotlight isn't is is a lot yeah, but again, it feels like it's the same beats, but just reversed the genders. Maybe and that's on supposed a, to be the big thing. Maybe for story, but like what they're the character is going through is very different from what Bob goes through in the first one. Again, that's mostly because it feels like that's because of, I mean, yeah, it is baked in the 50s and that whole idea of the nuclear family and all that. Yeah. But yeah, it it does feel like this movie is Helen being like, oh, wait, I don't have to be a housewife and I'll have to be stuck in that sort of life. Then I could be the superhero now. Yeah. Is that a... It doesn't feel like enough. Okay. I think that's very different from, from Bob, who's trying to chase his former glory in the first one and then come to realize, oh, family's more important than this glory and then and being the hero. I also don't think there's any good <laughs> emotional ending to any of the arcs in this one. Also, just like, it feels like they... There was like one line or two here and there in the first movie about like that might be interpreted as a Randian thing. But like in this one, it's it feels like it's so much more like, for example, how they're like. Talking about how superheroes should be able to just do things, man, we're better. We should be able to help. We should be able to manage the things for you. Let us do the thing. Let us be super. Let us be the ones up top. That's what it felt like. Once, so? once how other so? small how so? note how so? that I will give. How so? Uh, this will come back around. Just give me a sec. Okay. Okay. Um, so during that first fight, 
I was seeing the amount of destruction going on. And I had a question. How, how do they afford the infrastructure to just be able to rebuild this stuff? <laughs> just on a whim. Because like in our world as it exists right now, that shit's already too expensive for people to actually well-maintain shit. So like in a world like that where shit is just being demolished left and right, how, how do they do that? And then they just hand wave that away. They, they say the, they have the insurance. <laughs> I do have a question about the villains in that, like, in the time that superheroes were banned, were the supervillains still around? Or did those stop as well? Hmm. That's 15 years. Like, did the, did the underminer just go, I'm going to go back to my old ways today? I think he was like, you know what? It's been a, it's been too long since I've seen the surface. I gotta go. I gotta go. So what is this Randian thing? You because I'm I'm a dumb person. I've never read. Okay, um, so you want to know how Atlas Shrugged ends? No. Uh, what's the ideas? Atlas Atlas Shrug ends with uh, all the billionaire smart people being like, you know what? Fuck you guys for not letting us be in charge of everything. We're going to go form our own country where we could do everything by ourselves. And then they, by doing so, they have far surpassed everyone else. Okay. So this feels like it goes into that territory a little bit where it's just like, if you just let us be, we will bring you into the light. Who's bringing who's into the light? The superheroes. And it's what like the- if you if you trust us, we will save you and do all that. We are super, so we belong in the higher tier. There's that- okay. So for example, the one line in the first movie that really got people to think about this this parallel is the idea was when that da- when Helen told Dash everyone's super in their own way or something. And then he's like, which is another way of saying no one is. So Randian philosophy is the idea that there are exceptional people and you let them do the thing and they'll do, and they'll help everyone else and you help them and work for them. But it's a child saying it in that line and he's not supposed to be right in that moment. Mm. She tells him no, that no, no, everyone no. is special. I, I, I don't think that's the message. The first well, thing, at least that's not what was. There was a lot of people who actually got the wrong message from that. In that there case. were. We go through this when we. There's a lot of people who thought standards. No, no, was but right. like the thing is, no, it's not the same because like. All right. Whatever. Fine. 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 Fine, fine. The first Incredibles to me was, it was so weird watching it this time, right? Because I'm like, yeah, they're superheroes. They're strong and powerful. But they're the, they're the outcasts in that first movie. The first movie is about accepting yourself and embracing yourself. And saying fuck you to the world who's telling you to hide your inner self. That's the first movie. Helen's like, all right, you got to keep your powers under lock because you have to be normal. You got to fit in. And then Vi's like, but you told, and then when she tells them to use the powers, Vi's like, but you told us not to. It's ingrained in Violet to hide her true self. 
to fit in. And that's good. And Dash, the entire time, is a, is a child who wants to use his powers whenever he wants to do what he can do. See, I see where you're going with this. But, like, I feel like there's a reason a lot more people go towards the Randian reading than what, the... How, mm, my, my thing is, how do you mean a lot more people? How are you weighing Okay, this? was there a Wikipedia thing about there being, like, this allegory that, um so what you're saying what i'm hearing from what you're saying yes is that it's a lot closer to the x-men in the like gay allegory uh i wasn't saying gay specifically but could be gay also let's pretend that i've seen x-men that the first few x-men i'm aware movies, i'm aware yeah yeah so that's what i'm hearing from what you're saying yeah, the out, the outcast embracing their the 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 other was that mentioned in the Wikipedia article? No, it's me watching the Wikipedia article. Was like, hey, people have an an I was saying Aryan. It's not Aryan. What is the fuck is it? Rand. Rand. Yes, a Randian view of it based on objectivism or whatever it is. Well, and, going and back to that, Brad Bird's. It was literally one sentence, and then it is the Brad Bird quote of being like, "Yeah, I think it's hilarious that like two percent of people think it's about." that okay but like going back to that dash conversation he gets the last word in that thing and it like fades on him he because, is the focal point of that scene but because you get the last word doesn't mean you're right it's it's there it's there if you don't want to see it that's fine i'm it's not saying there. that there's i'm not saying it's that there. there's there's, I'm not saying it's devoid of any of those elements. Just because it's not intentional doesn't mean it can't be there. Some stuff is ingrained in us based off of our surroundings and we don't realize what we're doing. And so sometimes intentional stuff may pop out. My thing is, it. I totally thought you were going to bring up the fact that Syndrome says it. Syndrome says the, the same exact line. If everybody's super, then no one is. And... Because that seems like the thing people did more often. And the thing is, it's the same thing as a Thanos thing as it's the villain who's doing it for the wrong reasons. But then again, it's the thing where like with Thanos, there were the heroes fighting back against that idea also. You don't get that in these movies. <laughs> You just get them fighting back against them because like killing people or like doing the evil thing is wrong, not necessarily the ideas behind it. Who's fighting against Thanos in the because I don't because you can make the arc. I don't know if I'm going with this argument. You could make the argument, you know, they're distracted by the Omnitroid trying to destroy the town that they don't have the time for for theological, philosophical. No, 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 no. The, the guardians and stuff like that, they were talking about it and like. Uh, Gamora was like, yes, it's a very stupid idea. And I'm pretty sure Tony also, th they had conversations. With Thanos? A conversation with Sun Titan. They literally had the conversation where he explained his backstory. And then the heroes were like, that's stupid. <laughs> There's nothing like that in these movies. There's no point where the heroes actually refute their points. And even, okay. For a counterexample of one where maybe the villain did have a point where they actually learned something from it, Black Panther. Yeah, sure. Where 
there was something there. And yes, he was like, killing is wrong, but maybe you did have something. Again, this is these movies have a thing where it's like they fight against the person because they're doing a bad thing and sort of creating this destruction, but they never fight the idea. So, so you're saying that the the Parr family never come in terms with the villain's ideology, yes, and never truly reckon with them. Yes, hmm. that's why this stuff is there. We can go on with this for another hour. Are we going to continue this? <laughs> Are we going to continue this train? It'll just go back and forth. It's, it'd be like a funny tennis match when it goes back and forth. Like, I mean, all what can you say? It's like, I don't see it that way. And then I'm like, but I do, but it's there. And it's like, I don't see it that way, but it's there. Can you do that again? But you're moving like a Muppet. So can you do it as a beaker from the Muppets? Me 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 That's there you go. Thank you, Beaker, for joining us on this podcast. I knew this one was gonna be a lot. This one was gonna be a lot. Shout outs to John Ratzenberger, who I guess Pixar's done with. What do you mean? Do you know? I must have brought this on fine. John Ratzenberger was in every Pixar movie, right? He has, okay. He's at, has at least a little cameo. And uh, Soul comes out, and he's not in the credits of Soul. And everyone's like, whoa, where's John Ratzenberger? Where did he go? And his cameo in Soul isn't a voice cameo, but rather there's a character model that looks like him. So he's kind of in it, but he's actually not. Then Luca comes out. He's straight up nine Luca. Well, I'm the John Ratzenberger. Who who is this man? He was in Cheers. He was the mail Cliff the mailman, and then he okay. was he he just got a couple roles in a lot of the earlier Pixar movies, and they're like, well, he's in all of them. Let's make sure he's on all of them from now on. <laughs> they stopped that. Um, I love uh, Catherine Keener and Bob Odenkirk. I'm not the biggest fan of them in this movie. I didn't find their voices gelled with with something and 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 it 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 felt a little off speaking of that dude though which the uh bob odenkirk's character yeah Winston Deaver. It, it's kind of funny because he kind of does what his dad did but it works out this time sure <laughs> sure he plays all so it's like that also fits in with the idea that she was kind of right <laughs> I there was that weird throwaway line. I don't know if this does connect or it did, but there's that weird throwaway line when they're like, oh, she's going to jail. And then Violet's like, yeah, too bad she's rich and she'll get out quickly. And they just gloss over that. Just like how they gloss over the mother dying of heartbreak. I really can't believe that's a line. Crazy, that's a line. Uh, I do love Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter in these roles. They're terrific. Um, there's a little more graveliness to Craig T. Nelson in this one. That's fun. I feel like we didn't get enough Edna in this movie. I wanted more Edna. So so just on two things. One, uh, I like the little detail. Holly Hunter has this thing where she like speaks out of the side of her mouth. 
I think it's like she's deaf in one ear or something. So uh, just that's how she 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 talks. And so they they do that with uh, Elastigirl. Her mouth kind of moves to the side of shocks. I have a question to you about Edna. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know where this is gonna go. It's uh, I'm curious because we uh, also a conversation off podcast just in our normal lives. You've brought up that you don't like when uh, typically you don't like when a the, there's cross dressing in in any film, and you've cited the fact that you don't like Mrs. Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. I I am curious. How do you feel about Edna in this movie? What do you mean? Edna's played by Brad Bird, the director. Hmm. Didn't know that. Hmm. See, the thing is, I. I don't mind in this case because it doesn't call attention to itself as a joke for that. That's my thought. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't play with the gender roles and kind of just allows the actor to be the character allows it to, to skate by a bit more, right? Yeah. Because as much as I love Mrs. Doubtfire, there are a lot of, haha, the old lady has a deep voice jokes. Or like, haha, the dude have, has boobs jokes. Yeah, they and don't really do that with Edna, so I don't no. mind. Edna's Edna's a fun, uh, over-the-top, uh, eccentric personality, and she's always a delight. I love her relationship with Jack-Jack, which again, it's like, are we crossing the line of cartooniness in this one when they're like, high-fiving and Jack Jack's walking around with a lollipop in his mouth but I, I found it very adorable uh, I was getting boss baby it was it was serving boss baby was this post boss baby this was a this was maybe a year after so I don't know if it could directly influence it but you know the story is it, that- was, it was given boss baby that's all I'm saying hey the story <laughs> with ants is that the dude was working on bugs life kicked out and he went to DreamWorks like Hey, I got a story about ants. So maybe maybe there's some tomfoolery, some chicanery in this one. Never know. Uh, Jonathan Banks, another... Uh, it's odd they have two Better Call Saul actors in this. Odenkirk and Jonathan Banks takes over the role of Rick Dicker, because uh, uh, Bud Lucky, Lucky uh, passed away, sadly, before this one came out. Did they have the same actors for like uh, Violet and Dash? So Violet is the same actress. Dash was uh, changed. Mm. Just because puberty. Age. Yeah. They did that with ne- uh, Nemo too in Finding Dory. Um, Sam Jackson's fun as Lucius. He, he, he kind of just pops up whenever in this one, which I don't know how I feel about that. He's just at the ready as if he doesn't have a life outside of the powers. It also feels like, again, there was that moment early on where he was grabbing the super suit and like there was like a mini moment, which was like a callback. Yeah. But like that wasn't needed. That's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent the same thing as in the iCarly reboot when Miranda Cosgrove does the Megan meme. Yeah, that was weird. It was weird. I I like it in this one, but uh, that was unnecessary. But his wife's so much fun. Again, it just it was just giving me like I'd rather watch that one then because that was so much better at it. The first one? Yeah. That's fair. Again, it's just like 
it's so weird when you see a movie like this get a sequel. It didn't need it, and I think we all assume because it was a superhero movie and there was such a, a, a surplus of superhero movies that it's just like, oh, it's obviously the one that deserves the sequel. But I'd argue it explores the characters less so than any other Pixar sequel. Yo, what it- I'm including the car. Cars thing at least. Okay, I, I, I got something for later. Something that I didn't know till right now, as I look on the Wikipedia page. You know when um they first get to uh uh Bob Odenkirk's place and they they leave the car and there's the uh, the the valet who's like Frozone. I'm your biggest fan. Do you know who plays that dude? Who? So I'm watching this scene. I'm like, this is a weird line that feels unnecessary i'm your biggest uh he didn't even say i'm your biggest fan no he said you're my biggest you're my biggest fan there you go that was usher (laughs) and i must say oh no i think this is the year before i apologize this is the year before hustlers because i would say this was a great year in film for usher wait we're still in 2018 2018 Mm. Yes, yes, and then we have one. No, no, you stupid child. We're in 2021. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Wait, I I got you. (laughs) Wait, we're in 2021? Yeah. Paul, you owe me three more birthday gifts. I'll get you rock one, two, and three. (laughs) Wait, what's rock one? The rock. Can you get me rocks two, seven, and 29? No. Fuck, I tried. Listen, I'm the one giving you the gift. I choose what the gift is. And you're going to like it, all right? That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) I briefly mentioned this earlier, but there's a lot of really dumb lines I love in this movie. Um, I started the the episode with the fresh air is especially good tonight. Uh, I have uh, is she having adolescence? Uh, you want me to uncrush? What if I said to unpunch someone? That's funny. That's funny. That's another thing, though. I kind of wish that all the new heroes had more time too. Yes. You don't get they they have a lot of cool powers and you get glimpses of them, but they're kind of just there and they're not really characters. Like I kind of forgot for a second that uh the lightning dude did anything. I forgot there was a lightning dude in this movie. Yeah. And I will say, last year I was playing Lego with the Incredibles, and so I play I I platinum the, the video game on PlayStation Four. I collected all the characters, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this brick character. I remember this. I don't remember the the Lightning Dude at all. What was his name? I, I mean, he barely. He I don't think he talked. <laughs> he said something. He said something. I there's that one cool moment where he like pops out of Void's portal and does electricity but I, I don't know what he I mean he does but what does he say <laughs> oh, no. oh Phil Lamar played both Helectric Helectrics and Crush Crushar 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 I think that's how you say that name 
Who knows if that's how you say your name? Interview. Isabella Rossellini's in this? They should have blown. You know what? What? They kept doing things from the first movie over and over again, but the one thing they didn't do that they should have hmm. blown up the house. One is that it? Yes, save the fixes for later. Nah, this this isn't this isn't part of my fixes. I got I got other ones that are better. <laughs> but like, yo, where's that kid? Yeah, tricycle kid. That is a good point. <laughs> That's like the one thing everyone loves in the first movie that wasn't brought back. That should have been there. Um, I want to say that like watching the first Incredibles and this one back to back, you forget how big of a jump Pixar's made in, in animation. And I think it's not as evident in Finding Nemo to Dory because there's so few. Because uh, the water, water is just water. Yeah. And there's so few water movies to really compare it to. But when you watch that first one, it is a little more bare. And the, the surfaces and even the characters aren't as textured as they are now. And so it is quite the sight to see the evolution, uh, the way they play with lighting and how they capture shots. I don't understand cinematography in animated movies. I'll be honest. How does that work? Well, Magic. I mean, you got to figure out where the sun's coming from and all that. Is the entire movie animated? Like the room? Is the entire room animated? And so you have like a fake camera? I just, I don't understand. But shout outs to, oh, there's two credited cinematographers. Mayor Abu Sidi, who's the camera cinematographer, as it seems, and Eric Smith, who's the lighting cinematographer. And yeah, I think it's very well shot. I, I liked the, they have a, uh, this great uh, hard cut after their meeting with Bob Odenkirk. And it's very this glossy, superhero thing. And it's a cold cut to Elastigirl in the motel, pondering everything. And it's a very wonderfully lit. It's very dark, but it has the, the natural lighting from the lights on the side of the bed. And she's very dour in the moment. It was just, it, it, every now and then, I think we forget how far animation has come in the, this, the computer animated realm in the past so 20 I years. I can't say for certain, but I think the way it works is their storyboards are a lot more elaborate and go through many phases. Hmm. They're not Ryan Johnson's storyboards. What does that mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love his films, but you've seen Wait. the like Knives Out storyboard with her in the chair. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I was just making a Star Wars comment afterwards. I was like, what? <laughs> Where it's just um, her as a stick figure, like with like just a bunch of crosses behind. <laughs> but but it's so clear in his head. Yeah, but that doesn't work for animation. I think <laughs> fuck knives out to I, I said that I regret saying it because I'm really excited for this new knives out. But in between, right? We need a stop motion or stick figure animated version of the first knives out. Why? Because that'd be adorable. Stick figure uh, Daniel Craig talking about donuts. What more could you want? Friend of the Billion Dollar Podcast, Daniel Craig talking about donuts. Did we talk? We, we briefly talked about Sam Jackson's Lucius, right? He's here. Yeah. He's fine. He's fine. He was um, like, yo, there's these guys. They got money and they want soups. Super soups. Shout out to Stephen Schaefer, the editor. 
a very good job. Nominated for one Oscar, Best Animated Feature. Uh, did not win. Spider-Verse won instead. I think that didn't do that. But that didn't make a billion dollars. Yeah, fuck society. <laughs> Cars didn't make a billion dollars. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Cars 2 didn't make a billion dollars. I wonder, every now and then I, I think about movies that made a lot of money. And if released today, they make the billion dollar. Because I remember when I first started looking at box office numbers back in 2010, like the first Incredibles was in the first hot, uh, top 150, uh, top 50 movies of all time. And I think I double checked. It was like, it's like 148 now. But part of me is like, would it have made a billion dollars if it had the Pixar momentum back then with the inflation nowadays? Because if that made a billion, cars probably would have made a billion too, right? The but Monsters University me. didn't make a billion. It did not, but it's a prequel. I think Star Wars Episode One's the only prequel. Just in general, prequels don't make as much money as as a sequel does. Hmm. Because that first Monsters Inc. broke records when it came out back in 01. Well, how many big budget prequels can you name? Star Wars. Sure. Monsters University. Um, yeah. Is that it? It's that thing of like, I feel like there must be, but I can't think of but it. I, I don't think there are that many. Isn't like, I know I'm stretching it so far too far right now, but isn't like Godfather 2 technically a prequel to Godfather I haven't one? seen the Godfather movies. Okay. And like, obviously those either. wouldn't be... Those were too long ago to make a billion dollars. Yes, but that first Godfather was like the highest grossing film that year. 82? 83? Yeah, just just those are the thoughts I have when I think about movies. Like Shrek 2 would be on this list if it came out today. Shrek 2 made a shit ton of money. Yo, Shrek 2 definitely would have hit the $2 billion mark if it came out like... 2019 you say that i wouldn't be it was the, like the highest grossing anime it, it would until it would definitely Dory. make two billion especially with like the amount of disney coming out now now i'm disney what yeah the amount of disney movies because like shrek was like started as like the like comedic response to disney can so I, like I, the sequel to that would I, wait can we? Ha can our next bonus episode be Shrek just for the hell of it? Did it does it match the month? We'll talk about it later. I have, I have more questions <laughs> about this later, but like I want to talk about Shrek. Why the fuck not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will say this. Like this might be the shortest list of notes I've ever taken in a movie on for this podcast. I mean, I you know I barely take notes. I watch movies and then talk about them. And you listen to it right now. As Sorry, you did do. you say something? I'm not talking about you. I don't care about <laughs> you, Miss Simpson. Now I'm talking about you, dear listener, dear viewer. Eyes and ears. What was that last one? Ears. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. All right. I think that's all I got on this. You got anything else you want to talk about in this movie? Uh, No. 
once again, shout out to Jakino Score. I I fucking love his music in this, uh, and and he has great some of the best composer. Music. Um, uh, I was talking about the animation. The like, I guess to the particle effects of when Underminer was digging through the ground were just coming off of the previous movies. Like, wow, that's that's incredible. That's incredible. All right, cool. You know, but the problem is, where's the ray tracing? I hear where's that the term. 4K? All the time. I don't know what the heck ray tracing is. In my understanding, the only movies that have ray tracing are the Star Wars sequels. What is she tracing? Um, she's tracing the, the outlines of her parents' body in the sand. She hopes one day they'll pop out and rise from the sand. Kind of like how like we think Oscar Isaac like was sunken into the sand, but out of nowhere, he somehow popped out of the sand. She thinks that'll happen to her parents. So Ray is tracing the outlines of their bodies. So that was our discussion on Incredibles 2. Not The Incredibles 2. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Well, I mean, you can only have two words in there for a good title. <laughs> the Incredibles. So, like, it can't be The Incredibles 2. Too wordy. Too wordy. You got to drop one of them. Some some may say three wordy. Well, it's, it's a classic. That's a classic Bojack Horseman joke. For, for me, that's a code name kicks next door joke. <laughs> there will be blood. It's about a no country for all men. It's about a hunter who that's too many words. <laughs> that's what that is. I was trying to figure out was that a joke we made? What? No, that's what it is. <laughs> That was a great discussion we had. We laughed. We cried. But it's time to move on to this commercial break. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you find math hard? Do you have a child currently going through school and you're upset because math looks different? Are they having trouble balancing math and adolescence? Don't worry, we got something new for you. Check out the Cracking the GRE 2018 edition. It's with, new enough. With all the answers on how to do the new math. Tell them. Uh, FX notation. Old math, you don't know what that is. Here we go. ETS often employs the use of function notation to create difficult problems. Generally speaking, the function notation is a style of math problem that causes test takers to be nervous. The function notation, FX, is unfamiliar to look at, seems difficult and involved, and evokes memories of graphs and charting lines that you may have learned in high school geometry, but not anymore with new math. New math. Get at your local math store now. While supplies last. Algebra is very hard. Some may say it's not a perfect art form. Just mm -hmm. like movies aren't perfect. Except when if, they are. But we don't and, talk and, about the ones that are perfect. We talk about the ones that need fixing. Well, you know how because that's what we are. We're like plumbers going into these movies, looking around, seeing Ooh. how the pipes work. You know, crank cranking some uh, 
pipes to make sure it's all fitting rather well. Hey, Bond, that's, did you that's ever, what we do. Did you ever crank crank? I don't think we cranked crank yet. Oh, no. Nor crank to high voltage. Did you crank Kronk's new groove? Bond, how are you fixing this movie? <laughs> okay. So we talked about how the underminer is there and he undermined the bank. You know what? That's not enough. I played this game recently called Donut County. Great game. And you know what? They, they upped the ante. And like, it, that's an indie game. Come on, Pixar, you got the budget to match that. So you know what? They, the underminers got to start this movie, undermine the entire city. It's all underground. Can you, can you just specify? I feel like I know what you're saying. How, how does one undermine a city? Um, you do the explosions and the drills underneath so that the buildings fall into the undergrounds. Wow. wow. And that's how you undermine the mine and you make the mines. <laughs> Go on. Um, secondly, we talked about the classic line and my mom died of heartbreak. It's not enough to hear it. We need to see it while that happens. Like, I want a brief moment where, like, it's like he gets shot down. And then, like, months later, she's just looking at a picture of him. And then it, they get a close-up of his heart, uh, of her heart, a la Grinch. But instead of growing, it cracks. Oh, my God. And then she falls because she died of heartbreak. And it's like a slow-mo fall, right? Yes. Oh, can it, sorry, we're, we're workshopping this now, right? Mm -hmm. So you have the, the magnifying glass over her heart. It cracks in two, right? And as she topples over, maybe half of the heart topples over with her, thus breaking apart. So it's like you're seeing, it's like the heart is still there and it's visible, but you're seeing her as well as it's falling with the thing. What a sad moment. Yeah. Because if you're going to have the mom dive heartbreak, we got to feel the heartbreak. Mm. Because you know what? This movie, this movie had the risk of epilepsy. Now we need the risk of death by heartbreak. That's that's what this movie needed a warning for. Oh, I All see. Right? I see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it needs to be that heartbreaking of a moment that we might die of heartbreak. I see. And uh, now the entire city's underground. So, Miss Simpson, you might be asking. <laughs> yeah, I forgot the entire city's underground. Miss Simpson, you might be asking, what are they going to do at the end with the ship going over and hitting them, like, above the ocean? You silly child. There's an answer. There is an answer. And I will provide it in a second. One second has passed. The thing is, instead of it going upward, it dives down and it's starting to break into and it has a drill attached to the end of it. Oh, no. Wait, that's not Screenslaver. That's the Underminer. So at the end, the Underminer returns. And then he's he's digging in and like the water's coming in so now they're worried like oh no our undermined city's about to flood but no 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 the superheroes are there to stop it
Those well are done. my fixes. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Some great fixes. Probably better than what I'm about to do. So that's what I'm gonna do. All right. Helen is called. Her name's Helen, right? Yes. Helen is called by uh, the dude, the dude who is named uh, Winston. Winston calls Helen over. She comes in the car. Remember, Usher's there. Usher opens the door. And then Helen comes out the car. Instead of going up the building to meet with Winston, instead, Usher's like, here you go, Helen. Time to make a transfer. And they get out of the car and they get on a boat. Uh, Frozone and Mr. Incredible are also there for that scene. No, those two are going up to... Oh, okay. Okay. To, to, okay. No, thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I apologize for, for skipping that very important moment of this. So uh, Helen and the usher are at the... I think he's a valet. He's not even an usher. Yeah. He's played by usher. Uh, the valet and Helen are at this boat. And the was like, oh, I was told to introduce you to this person. And it is uh, Boyd. That's her name, right? Boyd? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, Helen and Boyd are, are together on this boat. And then the valley is boating the boat, as one does. And there's a lighthouse. And he drops off the lighthouse, and they go to the lighthouse. And now Helen is at this lighthouse. Some adventure is about to start. She's with this girl who creates dimensional portals of sorts. And they go through the entire video game, Bioshock Infinite. <laughs> with, with Helen as the Booker role and Void as the Elizabeth role. Yes, even with the very weird, creepy kind of sexual tension between the characters that turn out to be father and daughter. And then when they get to the end of Bioshock Infinite, because let's pretend that, like, I comprehend what happens in that game. Once they get to the end of it, it then picks up to Helen going to the car, meeting up with Frozone and Bob and, and is it Winston? Is that the dude's name? Mm-hmm. And Winston fills, in, fills her in on all the details. And he's like, oops, didn't mean to send you on that trip. That was for someone else. And then the rest of the movie plays out as normal. That, that's pretty good. And then you get to the end. Mm-hmm. And then Violet brings Tony into the car. And then Tony's kind of interrogated by the family, all right? And he's like, there's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. You're so close. You must be a really close family, right? And as they drive the car, before Bob or Violet can respond, they get crashed into by someone else. It's Jason Statham. Jason Statham. I don't know why this is my Jason Statham impression. Uh, Is driving a car. And from the passenger side, who is it? Dom Toretto. And Dom's like, no, we're a close family. And then they drive away. Have you... So, two things, two things. Yes. First off, um, there's one person I follow on Twitter who yesterday was just kept retweeting uh, Dom showing up in a bunch of like... (laughs) other like big budget movies being like <laughs> and then the main character of that movie is like wait dom you can't handle it they have too much power and then he's like 
they don't know the power of family. <laughs> I enjoy that meme very much. And two, uh, I will explain how they stopped the, the underwater ship from uh, flooding the area. Wait, wait, I'm sorry, were you not done with yours? I, I remember there's another element that I forgot. Oh. And I'm going to tie it into this thing that I'm Whoa. coming up with right now. An addendum. Okay. So we talked about how the new new characters barely got to showcase their powers. Sure. So first off, we start with Void trying to, uh, <laughs> trying to create a portal on one side of the uh, wall where the uh, water is coming in from because now they're digging into the <laughs> underground city. And then she's like she puts the other portal on the other side of the ocean so that it like goes over there, but that's not enough. So then Crusher tries to like keep the rocks together. Yes. And then like the shocker man's like, you know what? There's one thing that I can do. He tries to shock the ocean so that like whatever electricity is going on in the boat, it causes the electrical systems to fail. So it stops moving. And then reflux, what he does is uh he creates magma through his through his uh eat hole through his eat hole so uh he he could be trying to cre- he's creating new rocks to like fill up that those holes and from there because the the incredibles family didn't do much this movie in terms of the final resolution we're not following them at the end we have a setup for the incredibles next generation Wow. Because their story's wrapped up. We got to see the new characters. Weirdly, that's kind of what happens at the end of Cars 3. May, may I add mm-hmm. to this? May I add to this? For, you know, you fleshed out these new characters. And it's, it's a hefty role. And so I think we need to recast one of these characters, right? Crusher. Philomar is great. Philomar is a great, incredible talent. But two roles is a lot. It's a lot of work. So I think he needs to focus on the electric man, whose name I, I'm forgetting right now. So Crush, we Didn't you man. just say it? Yeah, like 20 minutes ago. Electric Crush. man? It was something like that. <laughs> Crusher, you need an actor of great stature, of great quality, an actor who can get butts in the seats because they are uh, a beloved quantity, a known quantity. Vin Diesel. Crusher will be played by the actor Dan Mott. Are you familiar with Dan Mott? No. Dan Mott, best known for his uh, mid to late 2000s role as the juicer on That's a Raven and Corey in the House. So Dan Mott comes in. And to be honest, Crusher, just the juicer from those shows. Yes, a live action character in this animated movie. <laughs> Are you unaware of the juicer? No. So Corey, Corey went to like high school in that to Raven, right? And there's a did he? I thought he was in like middle school or something. Maybe it was just middle school. I forget. But there was a bully. Oh no, the bully. His name is the juicer because he'll squeeze any random object and make juice squirt out of it. And so obviously he's now Crusher. I cannot unjuice. 
<laughs> Can we add the post credit scene of Mr. Incredible trying to unpunch people? Oh. All right. I like those fixes. Those are some solid Pretty fixes. Give good. us a round of applause ourselves. Now stop. No. Okay. What are we applauding? Are we applauding opinions? Are you are you applauding uh possibilities? Uh no, we were applauding us being good plumbers and uh working on them pipes. Yeah, fuck you, Mario. Not Luigi, Luigi's my bro, but Mario, fuck you. It's time to use science, Pawan. The science of house fixing is now coming into play. It's time for us to rank Incredibles 2 on the list of billion dollar grossing films. As we do every week, it's time to flip a coin. Heads. Juan says heads, and the coin will land on tails. Wow. All right. Masinson, is this movie better than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? Is this movie better or worse than Star Wars The Force Awakens? You really, you could have in a couple other movies i know we always we always do the latest movie first no, right that's fair yeah is this better or worse than star wars the force awakens i'll say worse but okay. i don't like the movies that's ahead of all right 14 to 18 are the numbers you're pointing into the incredible tron 14 18 right mm-hmm. and we get number 14 oh that's disappointing as someone who enjoys this movie i'm like that's disappointing Incredibles 2 at number 14 on the list. It's time to recap the Billion Dollar Movie Club's ranking of films based off of science. I have 47. We have second generation Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Time. (laughs) Wait. Is Pirates 4 second and is Pirates 5 third generation? Yes. Or is 5 1.5 because... Because Orlando Bloom pops back up and Karen Knightley has a cameo. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Wow. Number 46, Alice in Wonderland, second generation? Uh, 45, Toy Story 3, all grown up with you. It's incredible in Toy Story 3, they crossed over with the Regret <laughs> spinoff, All Grown Up. Number 44, Avatar. Uh, 44, I mean, 41 Transformers, one hour long fight scene. If it was just that, it'd be higher. Number 40, Avengers Age of Ultron. Uh, 39, Despicable Me, Grew and Drew. 38, Transformers Age of Extinction. Uh, 37, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tentacle Monster Man. 35, Captain America, Civil War. 34, Star Wars Episode One, Dual-Sided Lightsaber Dude. 33, The Dark Knight Rises. 32, I'm the Joker, baby, but not the R-rated one. Is Dark Knight really number 32 on this list? 31, Marvel's The Avengers. 30, yellow, yellow creatures that are undefined minions. 28, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. 27, Man Without Nose Finally Dies. Harry Potter. 
26, Jurassic Park. 25, Iron Man realizes he no longer needs his suits. <laughs> Why is that only 25? <laughs> we go through this every week. 24, Frozen. 23, Jurassic World. We need to find a mommy dinosaur. 22, Jurassic World. Uh, 21, now I need to find my family underwater. Uh, tied with, oh, hey, is that us? Tied with, oh, hey, now I have a black suit and I'm Spider-Man. Uh, tied with, it's Christmas and I don't like the people in this town. <laughs> Pawn, I think you're missing the full titles of those movies. <laughs> the Finding one, the Spider-Man one, the Us one, and the Grinch one. There you go. <laughs> Number 20, Beauty and the Beast. 19, Big Boat. <laughs> 14, Incredibles 2. Uh, 13, Ray Tracing. <laughs> 11, Zootopia. <laughs> 9, Wakanda Forever. Eight, Avengers Infinity War. Number seven. Uh, we should get the Death Star plans, but we're all going to die. Six, Fate, the Fate of the Furious. Five, Star Wars Episode Eight. Your parents are nobody. Three, The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Uh, two, got to use the GPS tracker thing. To like find the villains, Jason Statham gotta fight and protect family. Fury Seven <laughs> and number one, Skyfall. If you are uncertain of any of those movies, check out the video podcast where you can figure out which one goes to which. It's really weird. Usually, like when movies have a bunch of sequels, they get worse. But we have two eighth entries in movie franchises in our what top five. Yeah, but we always have the uh, whatever movie made more money that was previous in of an entry, usually before. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you know what else is right? That you are currently listening to this episode of the Billion Dollar Movie Club. Well, you're not not for much longer. Hey, not for a long time. <laughs> We're going to thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode where we discussed Incredibles 2, Pixar. You make fine films. This a little less fine, at least, than uh, some of your others, but, but we've seen worse movies. We've also seen better. Yeah. We've I also mean, seen if, movies. Listen, you might have a big boat, but you're not the big boat movie. That's all I'm mm. going to say. Yeah, Dark Knight had two boats, but they weren't big. Uh, but but emotionally they were big emotionally there's a lot of fear thank you for joining us for another episode and thank you to Max Lizamakio for the beautiful beautiful art beautiful you just want to kiss it it's so beautiful great art that you can catch uh, on all our social medias at at the Billion Dollar Movie Club on Instagram on Facebook at Bill Doll Movies on Twitter. 
like and comment and subscribe on the YouTubes. Follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Zoom Podcasts. Is Zoom still around? Microsoft Podcasts, uh, Disney Podcasts. Mm-hmm. At this point, we should be honorary members of it. Like, we should be in that category of Disney podcasts. Because <laughs> half of our episodes are Disney. Yes. Focused. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us for this. And join us next week for when we discuss uh, the first entry, and I believe only entry so far, from the DCEU. Ah, uh, no, no, there's two. Aquaman. Joker counts. That's, uh, Joker counts. We'll get into that. We'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, like the, we'll, we're discussing uh, Aquaman. James Wan, right? That's the director. Um, yes, 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 yes. Currently available on HBO Max. Is it? That's what I saw when I googled it yesterday. Who knows if it's still there? I don't understand how streaming works. I we might not have the Harry Potter. By the time that that comes, oh no, yeah, around. those are drop, those are dropping off HBO Max this month again. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. But we- see you next week for another water tale. Water- Not a shark yes! tale. Yeah. Whoa. Are there boats in that one? I don't know. We'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. Join us next time to find out if there was boats in the water. I renounce my renouncement. Let me see that. I have something building, but it's not like a burp. I don't know what it is. It's a blurp.